Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Due diligence process and challenges. In every commercial property transaction, you have to do due diligence. Now, which due diligence you do, how deep you go into the due diligence process, and at which point will you be satisfied is all very dependent on the deal, the area, and your risk profile. But I'm going to take you through some general points of what I cover or what our teams actually manage to unearth during the due diligence process. So stay tuned for this podcast. The due diligence process and challenges. When you start a commercial property process and you are all excited about getting a property under contract and so you've taken it off the market, now the real work begins with commercial property. Now, there's a few different ways of doing due diligence. If you're in Sydney or New South Wales and you have to exchange on an unconditional contract, you actually have to do your due diligence beforehand and you have maximum about 48 hours, so two to three days at most to do that due diligence and that might require a strata report a um, valuation if you can get a valuation under that short space of time and also checking the tenant ledgers and everything else uh, if you have the luxury of time and you're able to do due diligence in a more leisurely time being 14 or 21 days then you may be buying a property either in regional area or in Queensland where they actually have a subject to due diligence and finance clause in there the contract so once you have a property under contract, what do you do then? Or even if before, what do you cover off in due diligence? So for me, I cover off three points in due diligence. Number one, I look at the property. Number two, I look at the tenant, which is exploring the business and the tenant itself. And number three, I look at the compliance of the property. So what I don't want to do is inherit any issues. Now, you're never going to find a property that is going to be totally perfect. So don't go out there and look for the perfect property. There's always going to be property that has a bit of issue. Now, now, how you combat that issue is something for you to think about and work through over the time of the due diligence period. Now, depending on the type of property, so if you're looking at a property with development potential and you're buying an older style property, an older style building, it's got a commercial premise and in the future in 10 years time might knock it down and rebuild, then you might have structural issues with that building and you might choose to ignore it because the upside potential may outweigh what you are finding out in pest and building. However, if you're buying a set and forget property, then you want everything to be lined up and beautiful and neat and tied up with a bow because that's essentially what you're paying for because you are paying a premium for your set and forget type of properties. So at the end of the day, when you are looking at a commercial property due diligence process, your biggest, biggest challenge is actually getting information, but getting independent verifiable information is the key a lot of times when you come from a residential space you didn't realize you have no need to do due diligence because what you see or what you get whether you get a tenant or not it doesn't matter if you do a structural report or pest and building report and you go oh look there's issues then you know you walk away from it or you get it rectified or you ask for some money off if you get a strata report or well, strata is just what it is there's not much else you could do with it and you you if you like the building and the and the the location you you still buy it so but when in commercial property the biggest thing you look for or you should look for is actually verifiable independent information so not something that the agents have said not something that's in an information memorandum but the actual lease itself 
what's listed in the contract and tenant ledgers and rates, insurance, all of those outgoings so that you can verify for real that what they've actually said the property generates in terms of income and rentals is actually happening in real life. You want to make sure your tenants are paying rent on time. You want to make sure there hasn't been a spike in the rates um, in the last few years because land value has gone up. Incidentally, if land value has gone up, that's actually good for you in the future. But for the moment, uh, you want to make sure you're not paying additional costs because instead of, say, $1,500 for rates, you're now paying $2,500 for rates because that all eats away at your ultimate uh, your ultimate cash flow also insurance is another big thing because often the challenge is that they tell you that the insurance is three and a half thousand or say you get a larger building and it ends up being somewhere like ten thousand dollars well that's really good but they might have had the policy for the last five or seven years so you having the policy recently means that you have to update the policy per the current code and because you're, you're doing it per the current code um, what it means that at the moment is that which means that if you are getting a new insurance policy, you can't be guaranteed the same rate, uh, the same premium, and also the same inclusions. So often getting a new insurance policy that is correct is really important because when you settle, your bank uh, will want to see a certificate of currency and you want to have adequate level of insurance as well in place. So making sure that that's all done, that's all part of your due diligence process. Further on, I talk about uh, and I look for the issues with the property. So that's your pest and building report or a strata report. So you want to see if there's any structural works. So if I was to break down everything, I want to look at or who installed the air conditioning, the fit out, whether it's done by the tenant or whether it was done by you. I want to look at uh, what additions the vendor or the tenant has put into the property in terms of their own fit out or additional fixtures such as a mezzanine floor or an extension at the back or um, new fencing or any of the new extensions they've done or even new concreting or new car parks because it might change the, uh, the applicable use by the council it might change the, make it non-compliant. So that's all part of the building research when I start out. I also want to know that there's no leaks in the roof. I want to make sure there's no water penetration. There's no rising damp. I want to look to see that there is no movement in the footing. I want to know that there is no major cracks that's going to need things to be replaced in the future. So all of those things, I want to look at how much quantifiably I can gauge is going to be the cost of owning that property into the long term. I mean, obviously, to own a property, you're going to have maintenance, but you want to know that you'll be able to maintain that property in the long term as well. So it's important to look at the actual structure nature of the property through the pest and building and also look at it as quantifiable because when you get a pest and building report, one of the things, one of the biggest challenges that most people think is when they see the list of major defects, they're going to go, oh, it's major defects. We have to get it fixed. Well, major defects can be something like not being compliant with fire in terms of not having smoke alarms to having pillars that are moving so one is obviously going to cost you a few hundred dollars the other one's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars so which ballpark figure is it going to be so always look through a a pest and building report or any structural report or anything about the property in terms of quantifiable price so and how much it's going to cost you so if the air conditioning is 14 years old and you know that and you've got a you've spoke to the air conditioning service people or you might get an independent report you find that okay in um 
in three years time i'll have to replace the aircon or even in two years time, i'm going to replace the aircon okay that's going to cost me potentially five grand so i know that in the back of my head that is five grand now if there was pillars that needed in the next 12 months to be replaced i know that might cost me 50 grand now if i was buying a five million dollar purchase 50 grand may not seem a lot but if i was buying a one million dollar property 50 grand is a lot of money to rectify so it all comes in the scope of things and how you look at it the next one i move to is i look at compliance so that's your asbestos whether there's asbestos in the building whether that can be removed or how it can be removed that's firstly secondly i look at electrical and plumbing so depending on the type of property you buy if you buy a warehouse property there might be some particular electricals that need to be done like three-phase power you need to know that's done properly uh, also on top of that I want to make sure that I've got uh, compliance in terms of fire compliance. So is a building fire compliant each year? Has it has someone check it through? Also, of course, you know, up to building codes, if there was any extensions done, any mezzanine floors, for example, that's installed or any extensions, that's been engineered and council approved as well. If it's not, then there are several ways of getting around it. Firstly, you may have retrospectively seek council approval. Secondly, you may need to uh, get that done as part of your due diligence process or get an extension and seek for the vendor to do that or if the valuation when it's done the valuer doesn't seem to see it as a major issue because it's not counted as part of your leasing space then you may be able to leave it there and do it later on down the track so again quantifiable value time and seeing how that compliance is going to cost you if you don't get it done versus getting it done as well because it is quite common to find mezzanine floors in in areas where you would normally uh, make sure it's compliant but maybe it's a secondary ad and it's not totally compliant so moving on from that now that you've covered off the property and you've covered off the building the next challenge is obviously we talked about before about verifying third-party information about the tenant so you're looking at the website talking to the tenant be an anonymous shopper so this is your great time to become an anonymous shopper with your tenants so you can go there if possible utilize their services see how they are tracking as a tenant and then work out from there whether they're going to be a good tenant moving forward or whether they need to be a tenant that needs to be replaced. Now, it's all about talking to the tenants and working hand in hand. So that may be done through an inspection, may be done as a customer going into the, the property or the business. So you, if you're buying a cafe, having coffee and breakfast there several times uh, that could work. Uh, if you are a, a, a dentist, you might want to go and get your teeth clean. Hairdresser, often go and get your hair done, speak to them, see how the business is tracking. So that's all really, really good uh, information to find out about the tenant. Also, you know, Google reviews, uh, find out what the competition, find out their pricing, uh, find out how they are how they are known through locally, and found, find out what the history of it is, how many staff they have, where did they come from, what are they currently doing as opposed to what else they're doing um, in the future what other services are they adding on to it is there a plan are they part of a big organization or are they just a single operator so you want to know from the best of your ability uh, what you know what the tenant is doing and how they're going to track into the future and whether they're longevity tenants or not 
And then the question follows on to that. What if they're not? What if in two years' time, three years' time, they decide to vacate the premise and they decide that they're going to buy a uh, buy their own premise or they decide that they're going to retire or they decide they're going to just basically um, shut up shop? What do you do? So in that sense, you need to do an analysis of how long it's going to take for you to find another tenant. So that takes looking at the market itself. So speaking to a couple of agents about how long it would take to re-tenant, how long it would take to put in the same quality of tenant. Would your rent go down? Would it stay the same or would it go up? Um, because sometimes you're buying a property with a under-rented tenant. Uh, and then moving on from there, it's working out if you were to put a tenant in there, what kind of incentives would you give? So it's about getting an overall picture and understanding of how much this current tenant is going to uh, cost you if they do leave and if they stay on, uh, what you need to do to make sure that relationship becomes an ongoing good relationship between you and the tenant moving forward. Uh, So really that covers your three points but remember your biggest challenge in the commercial property due diligence process it is actually about finding third-party independent verifiable information and that's what our team actually specializes in is that we go and look at the property as part of our buyers agency sourcing business and one of the things that we find very interesting is we like to dig up and find what kind of dirt or history there is on the property and the tenant and often you can't do that in an inspection where the agent is is there so one of the things that we do is that we often slide a property twice or three times. So we may, once we know a property is on our radar, we've made an offer on the property, uh, we will go past that property. So for example, if it was a cafe or a hairdresser, we'll go past that property and see initially from the front, we'll see uh, what they're there, com- com- complementary businesses, how the, how the area is trading, whether there's walk by traffic or not, um, their pricing, and we'll go there and often trial out their services. So we might have a couple coffee have a meal there or you know get our hair done there um and this is the same you know if we were to look at a property that's an industrial property whatever we can utilize we utilize Uh, we'll go there and utilize their services and then we will do a formal inspection with the agent Uh, so we'll go through it see the back side of the property and the inside of the property and then often we will then do a third inspection at a time where we think it might be their peak period so business vary from from one to to the other and if some businesses will become busy during the lunchtime some people will be busy during weekends some people are busy through the evenings so we want to go back generally at a e- at a time when they are the most busy so we won't be signing a business at 10 a.m on a monday morning if there happen to be a restaurant business we would likely go there around lunchtime and have a meal there and have a chat to the tenant as our preliminary research and preliminary uh inspection and then we might go there in the afternoon and also then go in there in the afternoon and go through it with the agent and then we might come back a little bit later a couple of weeks because you're in due diligence of 30 days we might go there a couple of weeks later and try out and see how they are say on a saturday or a friday evening with takeouts and and everything sometimes just about sitting there and watching people go in sometimes actually going into the restaurant having a meal so it is actually about that groundwork that actually sets us apart from the the other buyers agents and other people in this market because we do do thorough background research and we like to always talk to the tenants and find out if there's anything wrong with the business or anything they've complained about in the past as well so and then 
as part of that due diligence process, obviously we verify to find out if the tenant's been paying rent on time, and if not, why not? If so, that's a great sign of how long they've been paying rent on time. And we look at things like outgoings to see if they've changed over time. We get insurance quotes. We work essentially as a team with different plugins in terms of finance, due diligence, because uh, we've got our own team who will do it, and legals as well as accounting. So we work through to make sure that you're getting exactly the net return you wanted for that property and what the agents have promised and sometimes this process might be a little bit drawn out maybe a little bit tedious but we make sure we uh, you know dot every i and cross every t and going forward from there uh, we would look at a lot of the compliance issues so our team will cover off the compliance issue so it's a mez if it's a mezzanine floor in the premise we know it's a warehouse so we automatically check for engineering and council appliance uh, compliance so because we've done this so many times and so many properties we know what to look for and sometimes properties are specific for the industry so if you're looking at a dental property then you want to you know how many chairs do they have are they have areas to expand how full are their books um do they have a practice manager do they have one or two dentists you know it's it's worthwhile to find out about that it's worthwhile to find out the the hours operation and whether they do specialist dental or just general dental as well so that's for example you're doing a dental industry if you're doing a cafe obviously the food and the coffee needs to be really really good so we need to send someone there who drinks coffee obviously um, if you were doing an accounting or a law firm then we want to look at the history we want to see how many partners are there what kind of law law that they practice what do other people say about them in the industry is there other like-minded people or professionals in that same building because one of the big things about white collar tenants is that they like to be with a professional hub they like really good fit outs they like really ease of um, access they like parking so we need to make sure all of that thing is uh, it's actually suitable for your tenant as well and then if you're looking at properties with an industrial type tenant in there you're going to be looking at uh, whether there's logistics is a near major roads are you blocked in by anyone is there a turning bay uh, is there um, do you have are you a tilt slab so are you doing small warehouse type tenants or large format tenants where the trucks need to come through uh, and then if you're looking at that are you part of a business hub are you in a cul-de-sac are you in an area where a lot of people can get easily uh, out in and out of um, enabling deliveries is it parking for customers or is it a business to business so different types of properties different types of tenants lend itself to different types of due diligence so to really get down to understanding how due diligence work in the commercial property space it's very specific to the property so for example at the moment we're doing a self-storage space so self-storage building and so for us we need to look at the trading history so the history of the the trading month by month we need to look at the vacancy levels we need to look at it breakdown by uh, space so a one by one as compared to a three by three compared to a three by six uh, we need to look at uh, any of the maintenance costs in terms of electricity and water and rates and we need to look at the refurbished costs and maintenance costs we need to look at someone to run the property but we also need to look at the building itself and how much is the land value and also then do a demand and feasibility study now that is only specific and a lot of work for self-storage whereas if we were doing a set and forget government type tenant in a office space then for us it's very easy it's just a strata report understand there's no major capital works and there's nothing in arrears and the, and checking out that the tenant has paid all on time so they're startling different types of due diligence but ultimately 
depending on the type of property you buy, the due diligence need to be tailored to that. And your biggest, biggest challenge when you're doing due diligence is finding the verifiable independent information. And sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper to try to make sure you line everything up. Now, we don't need to be pedantic in the due diligence process because ultimately there's always going to be certain things that won't be totally lined up and you know there's going to be a little bit of additional cost to fix that up in the future and you have to make that decision whether you're going to keep that or not or do that or not. Uh, But ultimately, you want to line up 90 to 95% of everything and be totally satisfied before you go unconditional in due diligence. So if you do need a hand with due diligence and you need to reach out to us or just get us to find you a property and make the whole process easier learn from us during that because we do mentor you through the whole purchasing journey reach out to me at helen at commercial property cashflow.com.au and book in a strategy session or simply go to helentarrant.com until next time i hope you've enjoyed this podcast and keep hunting bye for now You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.